Warning, the Thin Blue Line, Harry Bosch, contains adult content. Harry and others use profanity, adult language, and discuss adult topics. One more warning, this podcast may contain spoilers. I must stress this for this chapter and the entire series of Harry Bosch, so please proceed with extreme caution. He had been to the sleep disorder clinic at the VA in Sepulveda, but the shrinks couldn't help him. They told him he was in a cycle. He would have extended periods of deep sleep trances into which torturous dreams would invade. This would be followed by months of insomnia, the mind reacting defensively to the terrors that awaited in sleep. Your mind has repressed the anxieties you feel or your part in the war, the doctors told him. You must assuage these feelings in the waking hours before sleep time can progress undisturbed. But the doctors didn't understand. What was done was done. There was no going back to repair what had happened. You can't patch a wounded soul with a band-aid. He showered and afterwards studied his face in the mirror and remembered how unkind time had been to Billy Mac. Hello, and welcome to the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. I am Philip Parker, a retired detective, and joining me today is my baby brother, Alan Parker, who is also a retired vice officer. Hey, this is Alan. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate us five stars. To show you how grateful we are, we're willing to bribe you by sending out a case of donuts. Please follow us on Twitter at ThinBlueLine underscore podcast. And follow us on our Facebook page. Last time on the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch, we discussed and talked about the first chapter, which involved a young graffiti artist who had called the police having seen a body taken from a jeep and put into a water pipe. During an investigation, LAPD Detective Harry Bosch finds the body of Billy Meadows, another tongue rat, and one of his Vietnam wartime friends. He uncovers evidence that connects Meadows to an unsolved bank robbery in the city. During this episode, we will be taking a deep dive into the Black Echo, part two, Monday, May 21st. As always, there's the prerequisite of spoiler alerts. Again, it's our intention to stay away from spoilers, but they might happen. So proceed with caution. And now, the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. Let's open up the murder book and turn a page to the chronological record so that we can do an investigative summary of the information gathered thus far in this chapter. After waking up, Bosch reflects on his visit to the sleep disorder clinic and the diagnosis his lack of sleep was due to his experience in the Vietnam War. Bosch heads to the office where he sees a young boy handcuffed to a bench. Bosch busies himself typing his crime report and when he Xeroxes the forms, he notices the kids is gone. Per his habit, Bosch always keeps a copy of his murder book to read it daily, to look for new angles and clues. Bosch omits the investigating officer's chronological report, the connection between Meadows and the Westland, and his visits to the pawn shop in Brimmer, wanting to talk to the FBI first. Bosch meets with special agent Eleanor Wish and tells her that he believes his homicide is related to their Westland investigation 
and was to discuss possible suspects. Bosch produces the FBI bulletin and a picture of the bracelet matching Obana's Polaroid and says that the guy who pawned it six weeks ago is his victim and probably was killed in retaliation for pawning the jewelry. Special Agent Wish tells Bosch that she can't help him in this investigation and that he has to go through official channels to request the assistance of the FBI. Upon leaving, Bosch gets a call from Edgar, who tells Bosch that he was trying to get Metal's military record and he was advised that the FBI had already secured both his and Metal's record. While at the payphone, Bosch sees Special Agent Wish leaving her office. For some unknown reason, Bosch decides to follow her into a restaurant. Special Agent Wish is put off that Bosch followed her. Bosch explains that he understands but is puzzled that armed with the information he provided that she had given him the official, the official request routine. Special Agent Wish informs Bosch that after he left her office, a call was made to his officials and that Bosch would be taken off the case. In response, Bosch threatened that if the FBI doesn't resend the request, that he would go to the press with the information he has obtained thus far in this investigation. Bosch returns to the station and is interrogated by Edgar and Lieutenant Pounds, along with Detectives Lewis and Clark, who are members of the Internal Affairs Division, IAD. Lieutenant Pounds announces that Bosch and Edgar are off the case and orders them to tell him everything concerning the investigation thus far. Bosch states the FBI has verified his Mexico alibi and cleared him and claims new evidence has panicked the FBI into making the call. The FBI has taken over the murder case, folding it into the bank case. Bosch checks the database on gang and juvenile offenders, and SHA hits 343 times on a moniker in a file. But he narrows it to 19 when black and Latinos are excluded. Bosch concentrates on the variations of Shark and comes up with the name Sharky, a street name of a 17-year-old Edward Niece, who is a graffiti artist who has no known gang affiliation. Three months earlier, Sharky had been found sleeping in that pipe. Feeling sorry for Sharky, that pipe was the best place to sleep and feel safe, Bosch contacted his probation officer after reading through Sharky's arrest report. The PO informed Bosch that Sharky's problem was his mother, a telephone whore. The PO explained to Bosch that a telephone whore were a person who fulfilled sexual fantasies via the telephone. Utilizing information in Sharky's file, Bosch responds to Sharky's home. Bosch meets Sharky's mother, Veronica Niece, who is very uncooperative with Bosch, telling him she had clients waiting and that finding Sharky was his job, not hers. Sorry, it's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it's his, yeah. Bosch went home and was greeted with an anonymous phone message concerning his status of the Meadow murder investigation. The message who Bosch deduced was from Clark from IAD stated that the FBI had changed their mind and that IAD would be watching. Bosch then received a call from Lieutenant Pounds, who also advised Bosch that the FBI stated that they had overreach in the meeting between them and Bosch. Lastly, Bosch received a phone call from Special Agent Wish confirming that he would be working with her. Bosch and Wish agrees to meet the next day. Detective Lewis and Clark are given further instruction by Deputy Chief Irving. Irving orders the detective to continue building the case against Bosch concerning IED matters. Asshole. Sharky and his crew put in play a plan to target gay men for robbery. After a conversation with a man in a Jaguar named Jack, Sharky and Jack agrees to return to Jack's home to quote-unquote relax. 
Upon arrival to Jack's residence, Sharky unlocks the front door, and a short time later, members of Sharky's crew enters Jack's home and attacks him. We ended last last podcast with you, uh, and we're talking about how Harry had a dream that took him, that made him cry, and he w- he was revisiting his life and his experiences in the tunnel, and so we picked this chapter up with him waking up from that dream, and you know him um, thinking about his visit to the different VA doctors in Sapova, and one of the things that just stuck out for me is from this particular chapter. And again, from the book, he said, but the doctors didn't understand what was done was done. There's no there's no going back to repair what happened. You can't patch a wounded soul with a Band-Aid. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, do you think that's more self-preservation and the character protecting himself? Or do you think he really means that? Oh, no, definitely. Oh, well, well, again, one of the things that just keeps you and I so enthralled with this whole Michael Connolly's writing is how true it is. And there are things that I know through my, I just put it out that I've seen and know, and I don't want to talk about that. I've seen through my police career and that's just a mind, you know, uh, like you said, preserving itself so you can function. And when he said, it struck me when he said, you can't, uh, you can't put a patch on a wounded soul with a bandaid. Like, Wow. That, yeah. So I thought that was so cool about, you know, how it, again, it, it struck a chord to me because I totally get that. You you know, you can't, you can't patch a wounded soul with a bandaid. That kind of stuck out to me. Well, it's almost like um, you can't unsee certain things. Right. Like I, one thing that comes to mind, I, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but I remember there was a case of child abuse where it was a dark skinned um, baby african-american black i don't know how to put it being delicate but Mm -hmm. um the mother was tired of the kid crying and the kid did something bad so the kid was forced to sit on a radiator and they lifted the baby off the radiator and when he did that it removes part of the skin and left it on the radiator and when you looked at the hind parts of the kid it was bright white and it's like the contrast in skin color like the dark skinned baby with the white um uh tissue damage it's like how the fuck do you get rid of that out of your head and that was over 20 years ago and it just literally popped into my head so yeah you're right how do you repair a wounded soul (laughs) <laughs> with a band-aid with a lot of therapy hopefully you know. and, alcohol. and i guess you never really I, I guess you never really get through it um but you just learn how to process and yeah deal with it. and it takes a toll it does um again through it, it also i, I kind of again you know again in chapter two um in the first book in chapter two i believe michael was still developing the image of harry uh harry to us the audience and one of the things that uh he picked up on was you know he picked up his tie and it, it, you know, with gladiator helmets on it, and then he had his, his tie clip with the pin, you know, one eighty seven on it. So again, you see Harry, <laughs> you see Harry. I'm a gladiator, and I got you know one eighty seven pin. Uh, that's who I am. So again, not just physically, but uh, I mean, uh, with a with a visual present a presentation, you see who Harry is, you know, and I kind of like that. 
You know, that, that, it's funny about that. It reminds me of that movie, um, The Departed. And when they had that conversation with Matt Damon and um, what's that boy's name? Uh, the other one. I can't. Leonardo right. DiCaprio. And they had that conversation. Right. Do you want to be the real police or do you want to go out and wear the T-shirts and stuff? And it's it's interesting when you look at Harry Bosch. He's kind of a mix right. of both. You have those cops that go to the bars and they're wearing the cop shirts and look right. at me, I got the flag with the blue line going through it. And then you got the cops who have no clue or right. the police. And you're like, how the fuck are you even on this department? And usually they do some of the right. best work. So it's, and I, I gravitate more towards the latter now. Like when I first got on, I like to wear all that cool yeah. stuff. And then I just realized it makes me a target and it's really not cool. So I don't want you to know of the police. Well, you know what? Actually, you again, um, feeding off our our last uh, podcast. Um, and again, audience, be bear with me if I keep referring back, Not because I'm pretty sure you're a very attentive audience. So be patient with me. And if I do it too much, leave a, a comment and I will adjust. But going back on our last podcast, we said we like to we don't want we, we want people reacting to us opposed to us reacting to them. Yeah. So if I reek cop all over me and both again, we, both of us have been in the investigative field. So we are in um, plain clothes or, you know, not in a uniform. Um, so if I, I have a tactic called advantage by you're not knowing I'm a police officer. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, that goes back to what you were just saying. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, let's go back and forth. Did you? I'm, I'm just going over some of the things that uh, stand out about this. So again, he's getting ready for the day. He he woke up. He's getting ready for the day. He goes into the um, um, to back to the um, Hollywood division. to start typing up his notes and everything for that that particular all the notes and everything he gathered so far. And you know, again, to just show you the um, how ancient this is, you know. He, you know, he's typing on the typewriter. Um, he had finished all the myriad of forms for that particular um, um, investigation. And one one thing I kind of like about that, because I totally get, you know, you starting to put this, your case together. You're on the hunt. And so you like to see all your paperwork together. Again, that's just sounds kind of crazy. But once you start, it, it kind of like crystallizes your investigative method by putting it in writing. It makes it real. Yeah, and that's where your OCD really comes into play. Oh, who has OCD? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, like, as this chapter started to unfold, one of the things that stuck out, too, for me was how everyone has a nickname. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I can remember your nickname more than I can remember your real name. And I use that to jog right. memory. And it, Harry does the same right. thing, you know, like his, his nicknames for certain characters. Like, for instance... His lieutenant, yeah. Pounds. You know, we we had a lieutenant. I'm not going to name his name, but we called him Pockets, <laughs> and it's along the same line. I know. So you know what's small, funny? You know what's funny? That guy he <laughs> ascended. They, wasn't he? A, did he ascend to uh, the commander level after? Dude, he's probably like, like a, the, at one time he's like, but yeah, but, but, but no, no matter what, yeah, he's a guy that's just going to. But keep no matter what, I don't care what rank he is, he's always going to be known as Pockets. 
<laughs> right, because he's so small. Instead of having two pockets on his butt, he's got like one big pocket. He couldn't even carry all his equipment on a Sam Brown belt, so he had to sling his radio across because it wouldn't fit because he's too small. So pounds and pocket, I'm like, but it's just like, but how we use nicknames to jog our memory and stay on top of stuff. And it's like, you wish you could give yourself a nickname, but you can't. But everyone oh, yeah. has yeah, a nickname don't, on the department. You don't, you don't nickname yourself. And anyone who does, hey, hey, listeners, if someone gives themselves a nickname, you stay away from that person. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, it, again. so going back and forth, um, one of the things, just keeping the story going forward, he then, uh, again, again, Michael's setting up, he sets you up. Again, because we I've gone through all these books, so I I see the setup. But he uh, one of um, Harry's habits is he takes um, he breaks into the uh, admin office and steals a new binder. <laughs> I've, again, I've had to do that because I don't know why admin thinks that what you can't take these binders and give them to your kids, but they have to lock up stuff. I mean, everything. Well, that's kind of funny you said that, Phil, because I know in certain instances where people actually do that kind of stuff. It's like, wait a minute. I got the school supply list. I'm not going to fucking target in the morning when I get off. Billy needs a new notebook. What's over there? So I don't think right. that's too far fetched. Well, but then he, but he, he did, uh, one of his habits was he also made two copies of um, the murder book. He kept one murder book for the general pop- uh, population and then he kept his own murder book on the side, and which, again, Michael's setting you up for another book, and that's one. Of, again, if I have ever have the opportunity to interview him, I'm going to ask him that. You know, again, how far out was when he made this book? Was he thinking to make other uh, books? Because, well, specifically with that, that was actually a couple books, oh. plural, where that was actually relevant. I I don't want exactly. to say and give it away, like you know. Um, chasing the dime, uh, blood work. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. There's a couple. Of books right, that but that's, that's the whole point. Mind. I mean, when you know, how far out was he sketching? Or uh, I don't know. With the, I don't know the 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 writer's terminology. You know, what? How far was he um, thinking in this book? Was you know um, to write the next book or reference to these or were these little catchphrases or or what in his um, experience made him you know do this? So. I thought that was pretty cool. And the thing that, that Harry did, and I can, I've done this over and over, over again, it, a good investigator, you just don't write the report and then set it down. You reread it over and over because you look at it in different eyes, you know, you know, especially when you get new evidence, you know, of, if you get new evidence, then you start all over and read over the, the investigative book, you know, and this time they call it the murder book, but uh, you read it over and over again. As is investigation, as the investigation develops, so, and it's constantly being amended. It's just a work in progress. So then, after he reads the um, again, I was uh, after he rereads the murder book over and over again. He then, based on what he found the night before in chapter one about the pawn ticket, and then he found the connection with the invest uh, uh, FBI investigation. He pops up at the FBI bureau. I mean, and what I love <laughs> again, just walks on in. Hey guys, uh, right? Well, you know, he did. Well, I can tell you right now, you you want to get the natural surprise or the natural um, reaction. It's, it's a reaction. There's a that's an investigative technique that we do. And Harry's, I don't care who you're going to talk to, FBI or witness on the scene. You don't. 
very rarely do we knock on the door and schedule an interview. Uh, at least I, I did it, but that was very rare, especially in a homicide investigation. He's got to move fast. And so he happens to go knock on the door with FBI and he meets uh, Special Agent Eleanor Wish. And a couple of things that stand out about uh, Wish that, you know, one, he thought that uh, Wish was a, um, a a guy opposed to a, a female. Again, we got to look at the, the time this happened. This is 1992-ish. And even Michael even says it back in the book that, you know, it's not that she couldn't cut it. It's just the fact that mostly that, that's called the heavy squad or people who couldn't or wouldn't cut it just doing regular white collar crime. So that was one of the cool things about um, his surprise about her. And plus she was instantaneous. Hot. Well, yeah, plus she right. was hot too. But but what was instant, what I love about how, again, the, the, how authentic Michael is when it comes to this particular, um, this, his series uh, listeners, there is a there is a direct animus between local law enforcement and any federal, especially the FBI. It's this there's a built-in innate uh, dislike for each other. Um, I've seen it, I've witnessed it, and I felt it. <laughs> but it's not and unwarranted, I, you know, though. Well, no. Well, oh, again, we you, know, you know, it's bullshit. funny. You, it's funny you say that because here's no, no, no. I'm agree with you because. If someone told me FBI is like an elephant, uh, elephant uh, FBI eats like an elephant, but shits like an ant. <laughs> yeah. So they suck up all this information, but when it comes to trying to get information back from them, you don't get it back. You know, it's not yeah, reciprocal. Yeah, and it's because the FBI doesn't trust anyone outside their ranks. They think all locals are corrupt, and they just want to use them for what they can and then move on and take the glory for themselves. And right. some of that's based on true events mm-hmm. but come on they're they try to they're very patronizing and condescending and do the pat on your head and treat you as a gopher and it's like mm, let's get something straight we're all adults here you're no better than me we just have different functions but when you show up with adults and you're condescending and demeaning yeah that's not going to work right. especially with police because most of us are alpha type personalities right 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 so, you know, when he, he walks up to there and one, and, and so there's going to be this instantaneous push pull with the FBI. Again, I'm saying any federal bureau, any federal agency, but spe- more specifically with the uh, FBI. Um, the, and there's a couple of different power plays that go. I don't know if the uh, listeners have picked up on it, but in this instance with Eleanor, you know, the fact that when he shows up unaccounted for that's a power play on on Bosch's part let's call it out then two she doesn't invite him in she shuts the door behind the door locks she doesn't invite him in and said oh what's going on what do you talk about and so then he plays the well do you have any coffee back there Uh, you know I've I've been well no then she makes him wait you know he's you know if you're just going to show up then they're going to make you wait and so she makes him wait then they go back and get coffee so then they go into the banner back and forth the back and forth and then um, he goes to um, he goes into why he's there, and the whole nine yards now. And back in in, in the in the in their their group or their their squad bay, their equipment to a squad bay, uh, which I've w- witnessed again being a state and local. Um, our furniture is pretty old. It's usually hand me downs, but you know, as as uh, Michael described, this you know it was more of a like a law office type of thing. Um, 
And when she go, when he goes back there, he's talking to her. But there's some guy on the phone just saying, "Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh." <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's so cliche, but it's true. They think sometimes the FBI does not understand. Look, we're all investigators. <laughs> no, no, you're just a local. Stop cop. it, stop it. Um, but it's just push, pull, push, pull, and then what happens? What you had mentioned earlier, um, she threw a cheap shot at him. You know, about his business card. Right. You know, um, you know, because most most uh, federal agencies have nice uh, gold colored. Uh, uh, F, um, cards, you know, to give out, and most local people, we make our own, <laughs> you know, or like like Harry did. You take them and you stamp them, and then you give them out. That type of thing. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, it was. So again, so he, he's at the he's at the FBI. He's going through this back and forth with um with Eleanor Wish, and you know he he, re- he tells her about his investigation. And, you know, she's not giving up too much information about what's going on. And he's kind of surprised. He's like, wait a minute. Um, you know, you, you kind of, you know, and you, you, you're you not reciprocating in a way that he would think if you have a break in a case that they've had for this for this long time, why aren't you, you know, more reciprocal or not reciprocating or being responsive, I guess is a better word, to the information I'm giving you. Um, then, um, I'm sorry. I'll, no, I'll no, no, on. go ahead. No, go I'll ahead. So then um, she she gives him, well, you know, look, I don't think I can help you out. You, you should have um, asked for help through the more official notice route. Um, and then he then uh, can't believe it. He said, well, could you, you know, he shows her a copy of the, the, the pawn um, bracelet that he got from the pawn shop, the Polaroid, excuse me. And she says to him, "Oh, uh, you think I can have a hold that again? If if you're cops and you're listening to this, if you give the FBI anything, you're nope. not getting it back. <laughs> but it's also scary too how one little piece of evidence, like this pawn ticket, can open up the doors and and take you down this rabbit hole. Like, wait a minute, it it's linking to previous crimes that links to the FBI. Mm-hmm. Well, so it it right. goes back to what we said originally in the first episode. You can't overlook anything. You can't rush through. You never know." Right. What that one little piece of evidence can open up, right? You, and and it's usually because you're rushed, or or you got to have a habit of keep rereading things with new information. You read the same thing over and over again, but you look at it through a different prism with the new information you have for the investigation. Yeah. But then, as he leaves out, he says no. But he takes the the, the Polaroid, puts it in Rourke, or you know the guy who was on the phone, quote unquote, said uh huh uh huh, and puts it in his face. Said, well, he's seen it right now. And he walks out the door. So um, as he after he leaves the you know after again this whole scene this whole particular portion of this particular chapter where Harry and Ellen Wish are going back and forth that is a power play and I would say at this particular point um, Eleanor won because she didn't give him anything and and he did so he exposed himself right he exposed himself he gave he gave up a lot but. so then after that, he then goes into, um, he get, oh, he gets a page. Again, we, we talk about pagers. You know, he gets a page from his, uh, his partner, Edgar. And remember, their, their agreement in the prior, the prior chapter was Edgar was just supposed to go over to the VA and then you know, pull any information he could on um, um, Meadows. And when he got there, he gives a call back and say, hey, look, um, uh, Harry. And he's, you know, pretty much the FBI has has that file. So then Harry, it clicks in Harry's head. Say, like, now that's why she 
She knew this all Great. along. You know, they were just playing me. And so then he gets a better epiphany. He said, check and find out if they have my my case jacket also. Again, you know, because he, he again he told her, which he wasn't hiding from anyone, that he was a tunnel rat with uh, metals. He knew he knew metals before. So and so um as he's doing that, as as he's uh, waiting for um Edgar to give him a call back, he sees uh, Eleanor leave out and you know and he follows her. And, and well, just before he follows her, Edgar calls back and say, Hey dude, they got your file also. What the hell's going on? Harry, what's the Right. So you here know, you are, you're walking what? into the FBI office and they have a file on you and you're like, What the fuck's going on here? Right, what the fuck is Am going I a on? So And I just right, walked well, my ass in here. Um so he then follows um, Eleanor and this is a part of the he follows her into this restaurant. And as a good as a good cop, she 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 gets into the back of the restaurant. Again, most cops, we when we go into a restaurant establishment, this drove it still drives my I still do it drives my family crazy. I want to sit in the back of the restaurant <laughs> with I my back towards it. the door because I yeah, because I want to be able to see what's coming through the front door. And one of the things that I love um, about what happened here was when he he's just sits in the booth and sits down with her and she's shocked. Like, you follow me? You follow me? Like, uh-oh. Did I cross a line? You know, but, uh, right. And then she gets up to leave. Right. Remember she gets up to arm. leave and yep. he grabs her arm. Woo. And she, the, the line I like is that Michael wrote, she smoked him. <laughs> <laughs> She smoked him with his eyes like right, you just fucked up. Go. <laughs> I like a woman who has no problem telling telling a cop who she knows his arm, fucker, right. you gone too far. Let me the fucker go. Don't don't but then Harry Smart, he he diffused it. You know, he, he came off real quick. Hey look, I'm 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 sorry. I totally understand. They go back and forth with this whole thing about he understands um, what happened. He understands that it makes sense now that why he, um, why they gave him the quote unquote official, the official title, the official, not the official title, the official route to get information because, you know, the, uh, that, 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 you know, she, they probably pulled anyone um, who had tunnel experience in Vietnam, you know, and Harry fits that, you know, that particular, that particular description. So do you think good they work. grabbed his but file he, at the same time they grabbed Meadows' file? Yeah. Well, she even says that to him. You know, after as they go, remember that as they go back and forth, um, you know, she tells him, you know, you're off the case. And you're like, what do you mean I'm off the case? You know, well, look, and she said, look, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be the one to tell you, but after you left, um, we called. You know, a call was made. She didn't say who, but she said a call was made to Lieutenant um, Pounds, you know, a person on your card, and, and told him um, um, that, you, you know, we thought that the fact that you um, was too close to this case, he was a friend of yours, that you shouldn't be working this case, and then the FBI would be taking over. And then, you know, he, she goes back and forth and says, you don't know, you know, he tells her, you don't know me, you know. And she says, well, no, I don't know you, but I do know of you. And then she goes, she makes reference to, again, probably by this time in the chapter, I mean, the book, this is only in the second chapter, this all this emphasis and all this different, all these different, um, what what I'm looking for, all these different indicators that there's something big that happened. Right. With the we don't know case. if he actually had a you legitimate know, killing or not. We don't know. Right. But did she call? Did she call? 
pounds or did she or did they call IAD? Well, it is is um well it comes up in this chapter actually Rort called pound. Um no, Rort called um she right. they call ID. And so no they didn't call pounds, they call ID. And it looked like Rourke did it, and because Rourke was who rem- reminded down. people who Rourke is. Okay, Rourke was her the supervisor. It, it seems to be the one who was uh, a- acting as though he was on right. the phone while he was listening to Harry describe his investigation to Eleanor Wish. So she actually she she started really um, did like a big a big. Um, she's already she's telling um, Harry his. How, how was it? I wouldn't call his, his, his the dossier that FBI wrote up on him. I, for lack of a better word, his uh, um, they pretty much did a profile. That's a better word. Thank you. A profile on all the different p- particular people um, associated who can possibly be um, uh, um, suspects. And she, you know, she 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 knew that he was in a, a um, he was a, 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 he he was brought up in the orphanage that he joined the army. That he went to LAPD, he quickly rose through the department. But, but he, because he did things yeah. his way, that you know that was good and bad, and, and you know, and it didn't take much to get him kicked out of the the fame RHD to as they called the Hollywood division, the shit department, the shit division of the but, department. And so, no, no, I was going to say to that place they went to to go eat. Don't forget, it's a cop hangout. A lot of cops like to go hang out there. Yeah. And we have places like that. And that's where a lot of unofficial meetings are taking place. And it's funny. There's an Easter egg here where the council member is meeting with a gay motorman. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make that noted for the record mm-hmm. that, that that's a that's an important Easter egg that, that will come that's down later. That's another Easter egg, yeah. And again, and, and it's so interesting. That, that, again, I, I never wrote a book, so I don't know if this is standard, but all these little reading it back over again because some people say, "Well, Phil, how can you read this book You're over and over again?" Because just like the, well, no, just like the murder book. Um, again, just like I did my investigation, like Harry does his, you read it over and over again, looking at it through fresh eyes, uh, a different perspective. Like, oh, it was right there all along, and I missed that. You know that type. It's of also thing. kind so, of funny too at the restaurant. This is where you see Harry starting to fall for this Eleanor girl, and it's like, hmm, all right, there's the sexual yeah. tension right there. Well, yeah, because the description, you know, you know, the, you know, um, I think he, he noticed a, um, a, a line in her on her cheek, something like that. He wanted to know about yeah. that. That's very personal, you know, you know, it, it, the the way that she carried her weapon. You know, most most law enforcement cops that he knew carried their weapon yeah. in their pocketbook. I don't know. That's is, tactically uh, sound, but back then, you know, <laughs> right back then, Remember, but you they know, were transitioning I, I, you from know, revolvers it, to semi-automatics then. So that, that's yeah. funny. So, yeah. So, um, again, I, um, let's just keep going. So, yeah. It, it, so, um, she pretty much tells him that, hey, you, you're, you're going to be cut off uh, this investigation. But then what I love about Harry, he threw, he threw out there, he said, you know what? You got me off this case. You're going to put me back on the case. And she goes, well, what for? What are you going to do? He said, I'll take what I have to to the, to the times. I'll take my, my my information to the to the news, and he'll say, "Hey, you know, you had a guy, and then all of a sudden you had him in here because you probably brought him in here and interviewed him, and you lost him. Now he's dead. Now this case is dead. I don't think that's going to go over too well for Rourke or the FBI." 
And then I like she came up back over top of him. She said, you know what? I, I, I'll tell Rourke that. But I tell him, call your bluff, because I don't believe you'll do that. And then that's the introduction <laughs> to Irving. <laughs> right. So then we, we, then we uh, transition to, it, it leaves like that. Well, no, even before then, she asked him a, she asked him a question to the point of, hey, um, she says, uh, <laughs> you know, because she, she, she was talking about the, the whole bank, um, how, what got him kicked out of RHD was that shooting in the Dollmaker case. And one of the things that the um, Lewis and Clark had found a witness who said that they had told um, Harry that um, he keeps a toupee in the nightstand. Again, that was one of the justifications. Harry said, hey, look, he was reaching for something in the nightstand. I shot him because of that. And it just so happened to be this toupee. Well, <laughs> she asked him, well, Harry, um, is that really true? Did, 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 did That's you get a witness? That's kind of funny. Did, did, did. He goes, well, don't they always tell the truth and, and then walks away. So I, again, you know, again, the even things back up, I've given you enough information. I'm not going to give you no more. So we get a, we get a sense of Michael goes into again, uh, always character development here. We get a look into uh deputy chief Irving Irving. I love that guy. The, you know, the junkyard dog yep. of the LAPD. And no matter where you are, no matter what department you're with, Every department has a junkyard dog. Dog, excuse me. I'm not going to name um, ours, but they sound alike in physical stature. They look alike, and I, I don't want to miss that. But <laughs> God damn, I'm like they nailed this shit. Right, and so every, every every department has a junkyard dog. Every department has a um a, a deputy chief. It you know. You know, being retired and looking now at, 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 at you know taking it up uh, different elevations, um, because again, I never was a de- uh, I never wanted and or aspired to be anything but but a detective. But if I was command, I can understand you want the, the department to fear a junkyard dog because if you didn't, well, you, you can you you need you need that that enforcer. You do, and right. I, let me just make this perfectly clear. I hated every one of ours. They 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 seemed out of touch, callous, right. Right. fucking idiots. Let's just not call them what not understand. But someone needs to do the dirty work for the chief to for the greater good to keep the department moving forward. Having said that, though, there's some guys that take this shit just a little too serious, and they that the lines get blurred when it becomes where it goes from professional to personal. Like they can't yeah. let this shit go. Like they have it made up in their mind. Officer Allen is fucked up, and no matter what, I'm going to stay right. on top of him to get him. That's where you 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 become a detriment to the department. I think. Right. Well, not well. Um, detriment to morale. I mean, it is. Yeah. You know, There's and, a huge domino again, effect everywhere. And that's what goes back to one of the things I like about this podcast, I want to always relay the, our side, when I say our, as law enforcement, law enforcement side, again, we addressed it and we'll keep addressing it throughout this, throughout this journey. Neither myself or my brother, we're not saying that cops are perfect and they they do everything right. Perfect. Are you kidding? Right. And so, but at some times it has to be like one of the things that I think, I'm going to just give you a case in point. Most police departments, their complaint department are not filled with people who ever 
road or or been in the law enforcement shoes. So how can you judge someone uh. if you've never been in their shoes? So one of the things that most departments have done was if you're going to be on a citizen's complaint board, you had the least ride in the car with officers before you can be ascended to the board. And that's that still is, not enough. No, it's not enough, but at least it gives you some insights what these guys are doing or dealing with. And goes back to, not to, I don't want to uh, deviate too far off the Deputy Chief Irvin Irving, is you got to weigh that. You have to weigh, okay, no one's perfect. And one of the things that I think would make me a very successful law enforcement investigator was at the time I came on this department, on the department, I was allowed to make a mistake without such consequences that you were scared to make a decision. Yeah, so but I, see, I, things I hope are I can make, changing listen, now. I know they've they've, but, they've changed. They've done. Yeah, and, and and I hope that am I'm, I'm I hope I'm doing it justice by the listeners can understand what I mean by. Does that make sense to you? No, it I, does. But you also, you know, just to be your brother. You yeah. have to get over that shit because you're in the world of CNN and Instagram and Facebook now, and they don't want that. So before right. you get sidetracked off the friggin' book, Phil, focus, dial it back focus, in because you're going off on a tangent. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, focus. Okay, so that's so we're talking Irving. about Irving. Yes, right. So um, you know, Michael gives a good description of the junkyard dog, and I love the, the description. And uh, like my brother said, every department has one, and you know, looking at it now at a, at a different elevation, every department needs a junkyard dog as a commander. Yeah, just and think then also, he describes how stressed out he gets. He clinches his jaw so hard he has to constantly replace his molars. <laughs> like, how fucked up do you have to be where you can clinch your teeth so much that you just go in for the dentist? Like, yeah, these are new molars and get implants twice a year. Like, that's a dude that's really screwed in the head. That, and yeah. he's in charge of IAD. Like, you right. have no shot with this guy. Right. I love that. Um, then then we get into, uh, Michael also gets into his his mannerisms. And, again, we know he doesn't like acronyms. He likes long. Um, you don't say FBI. You got to say the, Bureau, the Federal Bureau of Investigations. <laughs> to him. So, like he said, I'm a very slow and deliberate man. I love that line. I'm a very slow and deliberate man. You think he's like that with his wife? He's just slow and deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> no acronyms, baby. Exactly. No acronyms. <laughs> Sorry. If we digress. Right. Focus. Focus, Alan. Focus. I'm focus. trying. Um, then we also, then he gets into Michael. Uh, again, um, we're taking our time to set this up, um, listeners, just so you can get the players also. He also gets, because they're so true, and he also gets into two the ID and uh, detectives who were on his case, the Dollmaker case, and, um, he, you know, the detectives Lewis and Clark, you know. And again, go back to what my brother was just saying about, you, you, know, you get these nicknames, you know, just how it happened to be one detective's name, Pierce Lewis, and another one's named Don Clark. But now they're going to be known because their partners is Lewis and Clark. And then everyone says, OK, Lewis and Clark going on the expedition. That's right. You know, you know, so. And these are and, the guys that are directly responsible for helping get Bosch kicked out of the robbery homicide unit. So we don't exactly like them. Right. Well, and then how Michael describes them, you know, um, they both have cro uh, uh, close cropped hair. They both um, wear conservative gray silk suits. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they probably only have sex in a missionary position. That's right. just and, 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 and <laughs> they schedule of, it, <laughs> right? And, and one of the one of the things that you always, you know, um, 
we always uh, Joan on ID investigators was we called them you know you know the shiny ass because you know their their suits are you know are worn from the ass because they're so used to just sitting behind a desk. So again, you could again, Michael. I love this. This this these are the little nuances that I like about this book because he actually he's been there. He, you know we, we see it. So what what one of the things that I love again how true um, uh, Michael Connolly's writing is. One of the things that he did, he, how can I say this without, if you Just haven't got interviewed, if you haven't got interviewed or interrogated about, about IED, That's eh, fun. I don't, well, you know, it's not fun, but no, too, I, I'm going to, I'm going to look at you weird, like, especially if you got time on, I mean, how many cops have you known with time on has not gotten interviewed by IED for something? I don't know. That's like one of those things like happens late at night you regret hooking up with the um sorry you hooked up with a girl of questionable character and the next morning your friends are like well, what happened you don't really talk about it um having said that i've been in the room i went in for incident a i was feeling confident about it and they <laughs> literally turned it upside down it came out of left field it's right. like what the hell and then all of a sudden the small room got smaller and i just choking on stress right it's not fun it's just well, and, not cool and what was cool about um what was cool about um this is that harry before he um he got in and um he's only been partners with edgar now for i think eight months he said so if you've been partners with that short of time you don't know how and we don't have these type of conversations. Hey, have you ever got in, in trouble with ID? No one has right. that conversation with a new but partner. But you don't know how they're going to stand up under pressure. So it's like right. That's you're what not I was getting tested. To, right? Yeah. Right. So the fact that um, the fact that Harry has been in the in, in the bullet uh, in the in, in the barrel, excuse me, before with ID, and he doesn't know if Edgar has, and he, he kind of feels like Edgar didn't do anything wrong. He was kind of wondering if Edgar can stand up to the pressure. So. You know, right don't forget the they're they're being called into the principal's office to go talk right. to to pounds. That's what I pounds. felt like, and it's like yeah, you got Ager who's having a psychotic meltdown. Like, what the fuck's going on? What's going on? And you got Bosch. It's like, dude, you know how many times I've been to the principal's office? Relax, right. bro. We're right. gonna be all Just right. Relax. Let's see what they got. Yeah. You know, let's not give it up. Just see what they got. And this again, if you uh, uh, if if you've gone in a number a number of times, like <laughs> like we are inferring, we have. You know how to, you, it's it's a push and pull, and and I, I I like how Michael wrote that whole that whole scene between the two. Well, again, and it's the truth. And one of the things that um, people don't understand, you know, especially young cops, the 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 truth is your shield and sword. You know, it's just, it's just lay it out. That's so funny you said that because I even have a note about that. And well, go ahead, it's go ahead. funny. Everyone stresses out over the truth, and if you give your supervisor the truth, they're more equipped to defend you and get you off of it. You, you got to right. give them a little faith that they're going to back you up or at least right. get you out of the jam as as little damage as possible. So Agar stressing out, wondering how to cover up, what to do, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you're making it actually worse. You want to, you want to give the, you want to tell the truth, but you want to do right. it in a controlled way. Right. It's like playing cards. You know, it's, you don't want to reveal everything up front. There's a method to the madness. So it's like Harry being the senior guy, he can walk Agar through something like that. And that's what I liked about this whole thing. Definitely. And well, then right off again, 
just like the the combative nature that we describe with the FBI, when ID walks in there, you gotta you can't act like a victim. You walk like you act like a victim, they're gonna eat you up. And so the first thing uh, Harry says, "Well, Jed, it looks like we're off on a Lewis and Clark expedition." <laughs> jab like, dude, after jab, to right? Them. Like I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't care, I don't care. And so then they go back and forth with this whole thing, um, you know. And I think another another surprise is um, after they start pounds, uh, uh, after they finish, the, they, they're talking pounds um, to pounds. No, when they start talking, Harry says, "I want a lawyer." <laughs> <laughs> it, it but then but i love you know pounds you got to respect him he said fuck that we're gonna talk right now if you don't want to talk right now he tells hey we're gonna bounce your ass out here with that 800 dollars suit and then uh, harry i don't know what the hell's gonna happen to you but you won't be working any type type, type cases so um i like that uh, <laughs> i thought that was hilarious oh it was great but then when he starts talking and again so again it's this push and pull back and forth <laughs> But then, in the same instance, the reason I'm laughing because I can see this happening, because somebody accused me of being this uh, way. Let me just, <laughs> you know, you're struggling there. So, what um, what Lewis pulls out a tape recorder, it puts it on the t- desk. He goes, "What the hell is that?" You know, and then pass it. Turn that shit off. You right. <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. I loved it. So then, you know, he goes, you know, um, hearing, um. Harry again tells the truth um, uh, about what happened. You know, hey, you know, we went out. And what I loved about this is that after he finishes telling the story, he said, look, um, um, Edgar didn't know anything about this. Right. So Pounds look at Edgar and says, so you know it sounds like he, you know, he specifically kept you off of it because, you know, to protect his end. He says, no, 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 no. And this is the part I love about Edgar. He says, um, well, you know, um, he he was right up front with me with that. And, and the count on it was Sunday night, in and it was a, just a hype in the in the barrel. Who thought that you know it would go anywhere? So we couldn't call no one else out on that, which is not really, really true. But it, it helped. I I like Edgar at that particular moment because he he covered for Bosch like that. And, it, I like and, that. and they they covered for each other. And then the lieutenant did the right thing. It's like, hey, look, this really doesn't involve you, Edgar. Get out. Right. Right. Which I thought was awesome. And, so then, um, again, Bosch goes over the whole nine yards against interaction with uh, FBI and the fact of, um, you know, where, where the investigation stood so far. One of the things that... Um, that um, But don't forget, though, by laying it all out for Pounds and IAD, instantly mm-hmm. it disarmed IAD and took the teeth out of them. And Pounds was able to be supportive and actually back them up. It's like, well, wait right. a minute. This is our matter. So... There, there's more to this. It has legs. But if you guys have something else to do with them, I'm going to leave the room. And you right, guys go right, right ahead and conduct your internal investigation with him, which I thought well, was hilarious. It's my favorite part of the whole book. Well, and then, well, again, let's keep on. Let's talk because I, I, I want to talk about that. One of the things I loved about this particular interaction, the first thing, as soon as Pound gets up, um, Harry pops a cigarette. <laughs> in a no smoking, smoking environment. In a smoke, no smoking environment. Right. And so then. So and IED's uh, like, they're having a seizure. Like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Right. Like, fuck off. And so then the best line was. Makes me want to so, smoke. And I don't so smoke. So then they open the, the knucklehead opens his briefcase again and puts out the damn recorder. So Harry looks at it and goes, could you, lose, could you loosen these handcuffs, please? <laughs> <laughs> and <they're> like, <laughs> 
What do you mean handcuffs? What handcuffs? Says, There's no Detective Bosch is not handcuffed right now. He said, just the two guys who beat me up. Yeah, right. They tied There's me up. Handcuffed and they're violating my civil rights. I need a lawyer right now. <laughs> I love it. I, again, it's that push and pull. And he knows how far he can go with these guys. Because no matter what he says right now, these two guys, there's some IED guys that love locking up cops. Yep. There are some IED guys that all they get off on. And I never understood. Now, I know both. Some guys just say, look, dude, I mean, we, 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 they, and they do, you know, they police the police and they do, yep. they do a, a, a service to the citizens. And I'm never going to say get rid of ID. But again, it's how you go into it. You know, do you go into it reveling that you got somebody or do you go into it, you know, begrudgingly saying, but, but I, I got to do my job because if I don't do my job, then how can the citizens trust what we do generally? So I get that. Yeah, I, I get that. So um, moving forward, um, Harry's, Harry's told that he's off the case. Stay away from the case. So after he leaves, after he finishes with the um, with the IT, IED guys, he calls Donovan up. <laughs> he's now still working the case. <laughs> I love it. He's he's like whatever. What the fuck? I'm right. still working the case. Right. What are you so, gonna do? Right. And he gives he gives um he well, he gets some good information from Donovan. You know, come to find out that the heroin that was in um in the needle was 55 percent um, pure heroin. Which again, you you've What's been the around for that. What's the nickname for that? Well, smack. No, back then? when it's that pure, remember it's called a hot load. Oh well, it was a hot load because you use it. Yeah, yeah, right. definitely. Yeah, I mean, you actually use which it, is yeah, usually used to to kill somebody. Like definitely, if you that's want someone to OD, make it look like you know. Well, I thought when, when you said was was a, when you said what's the name of it, that's what called that called heroin smack. So that's why I thought, thought you meant by that. But yeah, you know, as a hot load, that that no one, no one, that no one um, uses that that pure heroin because then That'd you would die. You. Yeah, yeah, it's just right. too good. Right. So, so that, you know, I think by this time, Metals was killed. You know, so it's definitely a homicide. It, was, it wasn't an OD. Right. He was definitely was killed. So that was one of the cool things about, um, not cool, but again, um, Harry's, um, Harry's still investigating the case. Then he also, he also then goes in there and, and talks to the king. The king is, um, you know, so it's, it's always back then, it's only, it, I got just to put people's perspective, there were no, um, there were no, um, the computers were far and few between. And when you had a, um, you had one person who really knew how to work the computers and she was, um, sitting in front of the computer, uh, the, the crash computer and they called the crash computer as community resource against street hooligans. <laughs> I love, uh, moniker, uh, I think, uh, Michael said it, and Harry said, "If you are a police officer in a department and your unit doesn't have a some type of acronym, acronym there's that you, real the, unit, yeah, yeah, you ain't shit." And I think I talk, we talked about that before. So here we are again with um, the moniker, and again these, but uh, not moniker, this um, acronym, these acronyms. Thank you. So we, you know, uh, Detective King, she works it, and just again flashback to chapter one where. Harry saw some graffiti with uh, with the initials um, S H A. So he goes to her, and this is right after he after he talks to Donovan. He pulls the nine one one tape out. He listens to the nine one one tape, and he gets a sense of who is who called who called it in. So, long story, you know, uh, the readers they go into um, she the goes and she 
right? She goes into the database and she comes up with a um, with a particular person who's of interest, um, 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 Edward Niece. Um, but also too, this database. What I wanted to point out: this database has you know date of births, addresses, and of uh, of any. Uh, and any and everyone who the police officers came involved in, you know, field investigation or field interrogation reports, those type of things. Yeah. Those type, type of things are the lifeblood of, uh, of, um, of, of det- investigative work, you know, and this, and again, you know, you and I were, you know, last, last podcast, we were going back and forth in the concerns, the um, patrol officers. Now this is one thing I tell you, anyone, any investigator who does not revere and help out a p- patrol does it at that investigative peril because patrols are out there every day all the time every, knocking you know see, they know the street you there trans- once in a while let me translate that for you normal people in layman's terms basically if you don't talk to the street cop the guy walking the beat then you really don't know shit what's going on right yeah you don't look too fancy for all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> so um harry then gets um he get he 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 then comes to find out that um, he pulls um, Sharky's car, I mean, his file, and sees that Sharky. Um, That's his nickname. Uh, right. Sharky is his nickname. Edwin Nice, thank you, is his, nick, um, is his name. And it goes by Sharky. That fits the moniker. And he was no- locked up for gang graffiti, graffiti in that area. So we're thinking, you know, maybe this was the witness who called 911. So yep. he called, Bosch, Bosch calls his uh, probationary officer. And his probationary officer tells him some information about Nice, but then it, it, it hits um, Bosch in the head. That's the same guy who we saw earlier in the day with the dreads, yeah, with the dreadlocks who was locked up earlier. So yeah, who was talking it, smack to the cop and got smacked yeah. around a little bit. And so then, but it was it was interesting. And then you can you can kind of feel for you can kind of feel for um, 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 Sharky because one of the things is that one of the times that he was. Uh, locked up he was locked up in that pipe before so it's kind of he should know for someone to be locked up uh for sleeping in the pipe you say well, what is wrong with what is his life so bad that he gotta he's instead of going home he sleeps into a pipe well uh, a it, pipe. there's there's two ends to it it's like well how mm-hmm. bad does the kid have to be for his parents not to want him at home and then how right. bad does the parents have to be for the kid not to want to be at home like what the fuck is going on and then like right. as that character development unrolls you know that's that's where you see how desperate his mom sharky's mom is to earn money you know it's like what was she like um we find out that she's <laughs> on the 900 numbers talking sexual <laughs> you know and it's like well she has a sultry voice but as michael Connolly describes her she is far from that so it's far like as a that. kid like if you're a teenager early 20s and you're like there's mom again talking about blowjobs and earning right. money uh, and she's going to tell me to clean my room get the fuck out of right. here so i'm, I'm going to be home yeah. so so bosh rushed to her house to try to interview um sharky and she pretty much gives bosh the blow off say look he comes home he leaves out he's not here it's not my job to find him it's your job right. and even Bosch said look it might be something very important you know might he might be in danger he goes yeah right bullshit i heard that before yeah so, it's sharky what right what is he but then likewise you you see how she with her choice of work lays the groundwork for how he earns money and that's where michael Conley got really real and really screwed up my head because he's showing like this guy to make money would take nude pictures of himself and then right. sell them to gay guys. And it's like, well, wait a minute, how 
fucked up right. our things where to earn money, you're going to take pictures of yourselves and sell them to gay guys. And you're not gay. It's like, well, you know, that's, I mean, wow. that's that entrepreneurial spirit, but damn, if he's the apple, mom's the tree. You know, it's funny. I've, I've read this book probably four times and I never made that connection. Wow. Uh-huh. I love it. That's what I like. How about could, you, no, I never, you not I make never, that connection? You're a detective. I, I, well, again, what we say, if you're not learning, you're not growing. And so I never professed being the best. Um, but no, that I never never put the connection. She's, she's making money off being a, 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 um, in the sexual industry. Let right. him make money off. He's doing the same thing. I never put two and two together like that before. Wow. Thank yeah. You. Okay. And then, you know, okay. it's funny, like, as, as this chapter keeps unfolding, um, Irving, he gets briefed by Lewis and Clark, and then it's basically like, look, he's on to something legitimate, and Irving's like, I don't care. I don't like this guy. We're going to stay on him anyway. And it's like, right. that's the specific line I'm talking about. Like, yes, the department needs to junkyard dog, but goddamn, when it's time to back off, back off. But Irving's personal feelings get involved and he wants them to keep on target, which you're taking away right. from legitimate investigations and you're targeting right. a, a awesome detective. Right. And let me see. So, uh, uh so, uh, Bosch stops at the store on the way home after he finished talking to um, um, Sharky's mom. He, you know, he's kind of dejected. He said, well, that's it. I'm done. You know, in the morning time, ID is going to call me and tell me I got to report to ID and, and or, you know, I'm going to be off the, off the investigative desk. And so he gets home and then there's a um, there's a he, he has a couple of phone messages and he d- d- deduces that the phone message is um, from Clark, you know, because he can, you know, he can he can he can tell his voice and says something pretty much. We, you know, FBI might have called it off, but we're going to still investigate you. We're watching you. Right. <laughs> and he played it a couple of times like, OK, what the fuck happened? Yeah. You know, what did, did you, you do know? to this guy? Right. Well, no, well, better yet, he says, he said, did his lame threat with the FBI work? So then he gets a call from Lieutenant Pounds and says, hey, FBI says they might have been harsh. They, over, they overlooked. Um, they might they might have uh, been too harsh in their initial um, thinking of, you know, his posture in the case. And he's being being reassigned to work um, FBI, work with FBI in this case. And one of the classic lines that I like is um, um, that, that, that he pushed, Bosch pushed back on, on um, pounds, you know, cause he said, you know, uh, when they were fighting in, in his office earlier, he said, you know what pounds, you said you did me a favor, man, I did you a favor. Pretty much to say because no one wanted to go to homicide and give it, uh, go to Hollywood and give the hundred percent that I've been doing. I've been right. working my ass off for you. I'm pretty sure your closure rate has skyrocketed, which makes you look good. So please, you know, you, you, yes, you assigned me to the homicide table, but let, believe me, buddy, I, I made you look good also. And that's what it, to me that was implied in there back and forth at this instant on the phone call when Pounds tells him he's going to be working with the FBI, right, which I love. Now, yeah, also, too. to something I wanted to touch on uh, real quick, yeah. ahead, it's kind of funny throughout all of these books how he pays tribute and homage to Stephen King. It's really weird how there's always these cameos. But then, close that for a second, as yeah, we go, go back to Sharky, and uh-huh. you're watching Sharky in real time commit these scams and set people up. You're seeing him with his friends on the wall. They're looking mm-hmm. at guys come and go from, I think it was a liquor store, just driving down or like yeah. trolling, so to speak. 
Right. And it's in the gay area. And it's like, okay, what, what are these guys up to? And right. it's like, all right, I'm watching the scam unfold. It's like, here comes a guy. They make eye contact. Sharky gives him the look. The guy invites yeah. him over to the car. He's walking over to the car, and he tells his friends, hey, you got my back. And you're wondering, as a, as a reader or listener, you're like, where where is this going? This is right. freaky. I don't know where this is going. But I know it's fucked up, and I'm getting sucked in. Right. So you're seeing this play out. The guy takes Sharky to his house. Sharky walks in the house. You see Sharky lock the door. You're like, that's kind of unlock weird. Unlock the door. Unlock the door. I'm sorry. Yeah, he unlocked the door. He unlocked the mm-hmm. door. You're like, this is weird. Guy offers him some food, and he he tells him, hey, it's not my first time. I know right. what's up. And Sharky's playing along. I'm like, what am I about to witness? This is right. crazy. And right. right then, instantly, I, I had cases where drug dealers got robbed by bad guys and hauled out. Yeah. I'm just thinking like... Oh boy! All right, this is just like this. Well, well, well we, we used to call those. Uh, remember, we used to call them crack rentals. Remember yeah. back in the day, we used to call them crack rentals. <laughs> um, so long story short, right. yeah, Sharky's friends came in and boom, boom, we're gonna knock they, this guy out. They yeah. beat his ass and, and they like, robbed him. What the fuck? And then the chapter ends, right. and it's then like right. that's yeah. crazy. I'm like, that's what that moment. Because that came out of the blue. You have a potential witness slash victim who's scared, and you're sympathetic to him. You're like, oh, man, this poor kid's caught up into some murder and something, and he's a witness. I feel bad for him. No, he's a straight killer. Holy shit. So all the sympathy went right out the window, and I'm like, I'm sucked in, but the chapter ended. quick you do you have a uh, anyone everyone counts or no one counts moment wow yeah i guess i should have put some thought into that one um there's a couple it it has to be the boy sharky and i'm gonna mm-hmm. say it again what drives a kid to take pictures of himself naked right. to right. sell them for money right, right there Forget the guy in the pipe, forget the IED, forget Irving, forget Bosch. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Because right. how does that cycle break? So right there, I'm thinking the mom, she talks sex. Boy, he sells himself and he's willing to degrade himself and do unthinkable things just for a dollar. So right there, right. he's my everyone counts. That's the okay. guy I want to fight for right there. As screwed well, up as he is, yeah, it's yeah. Like, that's that's our future. Well, um, I'm, I, I guess this is two, two, uh, uh, two and oh for for Edgar. I, I like Edgar's. You relate protection. to that square, don't you? Well, no, it's just you know, it's easy to pick up. It's easy to say Bosch. Everything Bosch does is the best thing, and everything he does, you know, that that, that was a sun shines out of Bosch's ass. And, you know, in this book, I mean, it is called the Harry Bosch. You know, we are talking um, about Harry Bosch, but. The what makes Bosch effective is the people around him. I think they are very um, influential uh, characters, and his partner at this point is Edgar. And Edgar could have threw him under the bus, you know, uh, but for him to be in that um, in that moment with Lieutenant Pounds in in front of IED to say, no, no, he was up front with me and and come up with this non rehearsed on stories say, yeah, we were going to call somebody, but why would we know who's going to come out on a Sunday night to take this body? 
I kind of like that about Edgar. Again, so right now, you know, two chapters in, uh, my everyone, you know, for me, Edgar is uh, two and zero. Oh. <laughs> Alan, um, how can people um, get in contact with us? Uh, you can follow us on our Facebook page at the Thin Blue Line Podcast or on our Twitter account. And you can also download us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast from. Okay. So that'll wrap us up for this chapter. And what we're going to be doing, the next chapter up is going to be uh, part three, um, May 22nd. So thanks a lot for listening in to with us and we look forward to the next time. Stay safe. We're 107 for the remainder. <laughs>